Welcome to the Hatha Yoga Podcast. I'm Laura Lang, yoga teacher and corporate lawyer. This week, I have the honor of interviewing Molly, a young female attorney specialized in litigation and the founder of her own company, Juris Consult Institute. Most associates feel overwhelmed and lost in their first years of practice because they were never taught the everyday practical skills needed to be an excellent attorney. If this sounds familiar, this episode will be medicine for you. Molly focuses on teaching young associates all the things that we were never taught in law school or in our first jobs. Many of these unwritten rules and strategies, they're just so essential to surviving in the legal world, but most of us end up trying to learn it all by ourselves, only adding to the overwhelm we felt in the first place. So thank God we have Molly to change that. We talk about Molly's experience with law school, her first years of practice, and how she dealt with her anxiety through it all. I'm sure you'll find this episode and our chat very inspiring. But before I bring Molly onto the show, I'm really excited to announce that I have just released my first online yoga program called Wind Down. Wind Down is the ultimate yoga program for aspiring lawyers and corporate professionals who want to change the way they treat themselves and ditch the hustle and overwhelm. Wind Down is a seven-day yoga program, and it is for you if you want to stop wasting time pretending to look busy for the sake of FaceTime and start creating a daily routine that will help you perform better at work or with your studies. It's also for you if you're ready to start building your thriving career and stop working 15 plus hours per day because deep inside you know that that is not really sustainable. Inside Wind Down, I will teach you a method that is made for lawyers and corporate professional by a fellow lawyer. Yes, that is me. And you will also learn how to drastically improve your life quality so that you can thrive in your professional life as well as your personal life. The doors to Wind Down are already open. And if you join before Tuesday, March 14, 2023 at midnight Danish time, you can get 20% off the full price by using the discount code EARLYBIRD at the checkout. And EARLYBIRD is in one word. <laughs> I will put all the details and a link in the description to this episode so you can go and check out what Wind Down is all about. And I might just mention that this yoga program is recorded with, with video. So as opposed to what you're used to here on the podcast, in Wind Down, you can actually see me practicing on the screen with you. So it will be more accessible to you if you're completely new to yoga and struggle a little bit to follow along on the classes that I post here on the podcast. I can't wait to see you inside and I will definitely be looking out for you. Now let's welcome Molly onto the show. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Molly. It's so good to have you here. Thank you, Laura. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. And before we get started, I wanted to ask you, what is one thing you did today to care for your health? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I am a big proponent of working out. Um, it's the best thing I've ever done for my mental health is commit to that. And so I got to work out this morning, which is why I'm arriving here in a baseball cap. <laughs> that's so cool I love it when when I meet other lawyers that don't dress up in their fancy suits yeah. and dresses and it's like well I'm here in, in my yoga pants as well so uh, yeah exactly exactly yeah. sometimes you just gotta fit stuff in and uh you know working out is one of those things that you gotta just fit in sometimes so 
exactly what kind of workout did you do like going to the gym or yeah so um i did two kind of workouts so i'm really i love kickboxing and um, i found that like four or five years ago and just loved it it's like the best thing ever after a long day whether it's a good day or a bad day it doesn't matter it's the best thing ever um and then i just lift weights cool yeah. and do you fit it in before working hours or how do you make time for your workouts Yeah, so if I do kickboxing, I'm usually doing it after work. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm doing lifting, I'm usually trying to do it before work. Okay, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit more flexible if you don't need a teacher. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's great. I have this thing I always love to hear about people's morning morning routines, but that's not why we're here today. So, <laughs> so, so we'll move on. Um, and I would love for the listeners to to get to know you a little bit more. But before I, I ask you to to introduce yourself, um, I think it's interesting to talk about the way that the, that we actually met, because we we connected on on Instagram, and um, your account was quite um, anonymous. I couldn't really figure out who was this person behind the account until you right. po posted a story with a screenshot from from a LinkedIn post where it said Molly and then your last name. And and there was the story about um, a young female lawyer going to court and and some old male litigation lawyer just like <laughs> completely bashing you and, and telling you off in court. And I was reading yep. through this and I was like, oh my God, I need to get to know this woman. Who is she? <laughs> and <laughs> if you remember the post, would you mind just sharing a little bit about that story and and what it actually said and what made you write it? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so, gosh, this was in my early years. Um, and this was a case that this was one of my first depositions. So the partner had, um, uh, you know, given me a lot of confidence. It was a really big case. So he did not have to give me the opportunity to do some of these depositions. And he did. Um, and so like any new strapping lawyer, I was, you know, overprepared and doing everything I could. And, um, so I went into this deposition and I was deposing a woman. Um, so it was another woman in the room and she uh, started crying because it was some pretty heavy material that we were going over. And the guy interrupted this opposing counsel attorney who was male and very old. And he goes, there is way too much estrogen flying around the room right now. And then he goes, can we go off the record, please? And I was like, no, no. No, no. I knew that like I needed that on the record. And so I was like, no, please explain to us how estrogen is flying around the room. Like I would love to write this in a brief for a judge to see how you think estrogen flies around a room because we're talking about something very heavy and this woman can cry about it. Like that's okay. And he was also just trying to be a bully. Like he was trying to interrupt the deposition and all that sort of stuff and things that I wasn't an expert at in that moment, but have later learned how to deal with. And then in that same case, um, we were walking into the courtroom and this is a federal courthouse. So in the United States, the federal courthouses are like what you think of on TV. They're super nice. There's marble everywhere. It's just, there's a higher level of decorum um and we had settled the case so we were walking into the courtroom to put the settlement on the record and as we're walking down the aisle um the opposing counsel and his client were already sitting at the table and the opposing counsel turns around and flips us off in federal court and <laughs> it was one of those moments that it, you just can't believe that that just happened to you so you're not totally sure how to react so you know 
I remember the other attorney saying something like, are you kidding me, man? And, you know, I was in my first years as an attorney. So I was like, I don't know what to do with that or how to respond to that. Um, and then it was, you know, like racing through our minds. Do we tell the judge that that just happened? Do we just get the settlement on the record and be done with this guy forever? Um, Anyways, it was not good. And then later through like a lot of the sexism that had happened throughout the case, um, through a quick Google search, you can also learn that he had been um, uh, sued by waitresses at restaurants for sexual harassment and things like that. So this was not a good guy or a good lawyer. Um, and anyway, so that was the story. And uh, a lot of people connected with it, um, you as well, and just sharing their own experiences of old men doing really disgusting and disappointing things um, to young female attorneys. And so um, anyway, so that's how we connected. That was the story. And I'm so glad you did because then I got to learn about Laura's incredible work and what she does for attorneys. And we just really clicked from there. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that story. And, and I hope that it really resonates with uh, with other female attorneys listening to this, because it's you're already a little bit of a, a minority when you walk into a courtroom and you're young, you don't have a lot of experience, you're female. And then the last thing you want is someone male and older than you with more experience going for your person and not for your case or your legal arguments it's just like how am i supposed to put up with that like we're trained to be polite totally. and have good ethics and then someone just throws this at you i think it's it's ridiculous and um yeah so that's just why <laughs> when i saw you writing about that story i was like i need to get to know this woman so now the yeah. listeners need to get to know you can you can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background in law yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Molly Huff, to anyone listening, um, and I'm the founder of Juris Consult Institute, um, which is a, a program that trains and develops new lawyers. Um, so, you know, the joke in the legal profession is that law school doesn't teach us how to practice law. Um, and so you're thrown into your first years as an associate, and it causes so much anxiety and depression and imposter syndrome and you know all these thoughts of am i cut out for this should i be here did i just waste the last years of my education trying to get here um, and that's ridiculous you just need training on how to do your job so it's not it's the classic like it's not you it's them um, <laughs> and that's true though like you just need training and you could be an incredible lawyer much quicker um, we just need some training and development. So that's what my company is aimed to do is to train and develop lawyers to the best of our ability. Um, and then I am also an employment and commercial attorney. So I started out as a litigation attorney um, and then I moved more into compliance, uh, which I've really, really loved. And um, and so that's me. So now I get to do a little bit of the best of both worlds that, you know, like you, Laura, I get to practice law during the day and um, go be an entrepreneur at night. It's the perfect combination, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I had never thought about myself as becoming an entrepreneur and all these programs that, that they show on television with the uh, young people starting their own businesses and then they're looking for investors. Do you call it a Shark's Tank or something in the US? Um, yeah, in, in, in Denmark, it's called the 
the lion's cave or something like that. I don't know how you would translate it. Um, yeah. But I, I was never really interested in these programs. And, and I actually listened to a podcast from another lawyer who was talking about how a lot of lawyers become accidental entrepreneurs because some, suddenly they just have these crazy ideas that are like, the world needs to hear about this. <laughs> totally. Well, it's, you know, we have been trained to be problem solvers. And then we get into the legal profession and it's full of problems. <laughs> and so, of course, we're like, uh, why is no one solving this? I'll go solve it. Sure. Exactly. I, I, I felt the same. So um, we're, we're on an interesting journey here of law and um, starting businesses. Um, but you mentioned yes. that you're a litigation lawyer, right? And um, I, I'm just curious to know, because from my personal journey of going through law school and and becoming an attorney, I was dreading the day I had to go to court. I was so scared <laughs> to stand in front of the judge and all this like conflict flying around the room and bad energy. So every time I meet someone who's pursued um, a career in litigation, um, I'm always interested to know more about what made you pursue litigation and were you never scared by all this like conflict and public speaking? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, those are all great questions. I, you know, I am someone who very much um, enjoys public speaking. I really lean into that. It's um, a challenge for me that I really enjoy. Being in front of a judge is still terrifying to me. Um, it, you know, I don't think any litigation lawyer, smart ones anyways, are going to sit here and tell you that they're not nervous or not scared to to go in and do that. But um, but it is something I enjoy, you know, so if you go in and you're like, that was the worst 15 minutes of my life, then yeah, that's litigation probably isn't for you. <laughs> but, you know, if you go in and you're nervous and you, you know, get up there and, and once you kind of hit your groove, you're enjoying it, um, then litigation can be really cool. So, um, yes, I, I, you know, was predisposed towards public speaking. Um, and I, I also just wanted to be in the courtroom. I felt like that was a way that I could be a really cool advocate for my client. Um, and I probably romanticized being a litigation attorney quite a bit. Uh, cause I also come from a background where, you know, I didn't know any attorneys. Um, I, I had no idea really what I was walking into when I entered law school. Um, I had an idea of it, uh, but had no real understanding of it. And, you know, which is the case for a lot of, um, first generation lawyers. Um, and so I think once I got into litigation, I was trying really hard to prove myself. Um, it was that mentality of like, oh, crap, well, I chose this, so I can't turn back, right? Like, I can't turn back now, and I've just got to prove myself to all these men. And, um, uh, and so for me, it was really carving out who I was as a litigation attorney, which takes time to figure out, especially, I think, um, for women and learning, um, you know, our style is much different than a lot of the ways that men practice. Um, I know on the files that I have um, women attorneys, <laughs> I am jazzed because I know that um, it's likely not going to be as litigious. Um, and, you know, like I said, so I just enjoyed being in the courtroom. Um, I enjoyed um, crafting my argument. I enjoyed working with clients. I enjoyed depositions. Um, the thing I hate the most is written discovery, <laughs> like the thing that like sucks the life out of the job for me, but it's just a, a necessary part of it. Um, 
but otherwise, I don't know. I just, I did enjoy it, but I also got to a point where, um, I did get tired of it. So, you know, that does happen too. Mm. And, and how did you deal with, like, if you, if you knew, okay, I have a big case coming up, like the one you, you told us about in the beginning of this episode, um, I I I just remember when I had to prepare for my mock trial for 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 to pass the bar as we do here in Denmark we we have to go to court. Um, I was so nervous not just on the day but I was I couldn't sleep for like ten days leading up to the to that day and and I think right. it's that's the th- that's um, actually the case for a lot of people but we're so embarrassed to talk about it like mm. it's not cool that you went to law school and you went through all these things and then on the day you have to go to court you're like oh my god I don't want to go. So <laughs> I hope it was not as bad for you. Um, but but how did you um, deal with your mindset and, and anxiety leading up to these days where you know, okay, I really have to perform and it's a little bit more than an exam? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, for me, um, again, I'll go back to working out. Um, I think when we overwork ourselves and we just say, oh, I'll prepare more, I'll prepare more, I'll prepare more. Yes, being prepared is important. I'm not trying to take away from that, but um, I can't sit in my office and spin at seven o'clock at night. Like at a certain point, you have to just cut it off and go move your body. And that's what helps me. You know, that's not for like, I get that that is not everyone's thing, but that for me was the biggest ticket for my mental health was finding a way to move my body. And then the second piece of that was my community. Um, So I found some really great lawyers that I knew and trusted and could be vulnerable with. Um, And so the way that worked out is that I would go, you know, to their office and I would say, hey, do you have 15 minutes to listen to my oral argument? Um, And for them to ask me questions. And it was just a really comfortable way for me to say, I know I trust this person and I'm not going to be embarrassed if my oral argument super sucks (laughs) Um, because I'm not going to some like big wig partner, right. I'm going to like the other fifth year associate or whatever that um, is also going through it. And so someone that you've built that trust with and that rapport with. And so um, having those relationships in that community for me really helped me uh, manage some of that anxiety because I would walk out of those situations and go, okay, this isn't, this doesn't suck. This isn't the worst thing ever. Like all those thoughts that are going through your mind. Um, and I actually did an okay job. You know, I just need to tweak a few of these things and that's within my control and I can do that. Um, you know, and then you tweak those things and then you walk in and you say, okay, I've done all I can do within my control at this point. Um, and everything else is just out of my control and, um, I'm going to do my best and, that'll be that. I don't know. Like that was just sort of for me, like if I can do everything within my control before this, um, then that gave me ease. Yeah. Yeah. Were there ways that you dealt with some of your anxiety before you walked into court? Well, I've only done it once and it wasn't even a real courtroom. Um, it was a mock trial, but it was a real judge and everything. So they tried to right. make the setting as close to <laughs> how uncomfortable it would be in a real courtroom anyway. Um, I, I, I've i talked about my experience on the podcast before um, and I had some really uncomfortable bodily sensations. Like I remember mm. my jaw just clenching completely and I was so shaky. I hadn't eaten anything for seven days. Mm. Like for me, it was just not the right thing. That was my body right. was very clearly telling me, don't get in there. It's not for you. 
Um, so yeah. five minutes before I stepped into the room, I actually had a lavender oil that I spread into my hands and I sniffed that because I knew from my yeah. yoga practice that lavender calms me down. Um, so I took that with me and it was standing on my desk next to my papers the, for the entire uh, time. Um, and I could just look down at it and be like, do I need more lavender? No, okay, I'm fine. And then, you know, I could sort of put pull myself together and I would stand up at the end and present my arguments and push my chest forward and be like, hey, girl, you got this. Because as soon as I started speaking and I, I knew I totally overperformed, um, mm. but I struggled to see that. And, and that is why this whole yoga universe and the podcast exists, because I, I love to to share this knowledge and and sort of take the taboo out of it that we're all these many of us especially female young lawyers are in these insecure high achievers that just we want to do the best that we can and we prepare so much and we could sit at our desks the entire night um even though we would have already won the case 10 days ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, definitely. And I, I love that you are sharing that knowledge. Because um, I think, you know, as you well know, more than I do, your experience is, is so many other people's experiences. And so um, having just being equipped with that knowledge, which, again, you know, better than most is just not talked about, like no one, no lawyer I ever know is going to say, Hey, are you feeling nervous about this? Have you ever tried rubbing lavender on your, you know, like, <laughs> that is just really cool. And I, I think is, is so um just leaning into who you are and leaning into um the, the things that you care about and that's just it, as, again as you know is going to help so many people so that's a cool story i like that thank you yeah and and that is the plan like when i was preparing for my bar exam and this mock trial it the only advice and the only courses i could find it was all related to this is how you structure your arguments. This is how you write the procedure and everything. Like, and, and it was not that I needed more legal knowledge. Okay, I was not an expert in litigation um, mm -hmm. but and civil procedure, but I, it was a pretty simple legal case. And I had been lawyering for <laughs> quite a couple of years at that time. So I knew how to put together a brief and everything. Um, but, but I was just so much in need of something that could relieve my stress and my anxiety and just make me feel normal about the fact that I was super nervous and I couldn't sleep at night. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, there's stories here in the U S when people go and argue before the United States Supreme court, um, that, uh, you know, a ton of people will throw up outside of the Supreme court, which is so gross because it's this beautiful <laughs> building, you know, and there's so much prestige in front of it, history behind it. And you have lawyers like throwing up on the side of the Supreme Court <laughs> because they're so nervous before they walk in. And, you know, oh man, that's like, I get the prestige behind it, but that's just intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's for me, it would be too much, but I'm, I'm really impressed with the people that can pull themselves through it. I just hope mm -hmm. that it's not something that gives them scars on the soul so to speak right, down right. the line because it's yeah it's just not worth it um right and now you you already talked a bit about um 
these attorneys um, and associates from your firm that helped you sort of structure your arguments and figure out are you doing the right thing, give you feedback. So it sounded like that you had quite a good experience or at least a network within your firm of people that could help you out. But still you decided to start Juris Consult on the side to sort of give the same kind of mentoring, I assume, or is that where it came from? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, um, I'm a really big part of an organization called Minnesota Women Lawyers. And so I've been on the board for a little while. And I also started a new lawyers organization under that umbrella. Um, and I think through just countless conversations with new associates, it was like, oh, you're having this experience also of like, you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, I thought we were all supposed to enter the practice having this really solid understanding of like how to be a lawyer. Um, and that just wasn't the case. And so after having, you know, these countless conversations with other associates and, and their experiences, it just became um, sort of my, um, I don't know, my thing that I wanted to take and figure out because I thought, gosh, you know, similar to you, this is causing so much anxiety in people. And it is causing, um, I think, um, a lot of women and attorneys of color being affected by this disproportionately, not that they need more training and development, it just affects them disproportionately. And that, um, you know, you make it through your, you know, three to five years in a firm, and then you're out. Um, because you're like, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. I can't keep up with this. I, um, I don't have the mentors I need. I don't have the structures that I need to figure this out. Um, and that just, I hated that. I hated that I would look to my left and look to my right and I would see these incredibly smart, talented um, women attorneys. And then slowly as you kind of like, quote unquote, rise to the ranks, that drops off and the exceptions rise, right? And I didn't want the exceptions to rise. I wanted that to be a rule. And, um, and so I can't solve sexism, <laughs> can't solve that. Um, but one thing that I can do to help is to give attorneys as much confidence as they can, as they need, um, and doing that through training and development. I just want to practically teach people how to do their jobs um, so that whether they decide to stay in a firm or not, they can take those skills and apply them to starting their own firm or going in house or, you know, going and starting some entrepreneurial thing um, that they just have those transferable skills um, and that they don't have to wait 10 years to feel like the light bulb has gone off, you know? Um, and that was a lot of the advice that we hear um, in the United States anyways, is just put your head down, do the work, and eventually the light bulb will go off and you'll understand it. It's like, well, why don't you just teach me how to do it instead? <laughs> like, why are we waiting 10 years for me to have this light bulb moment while I suffer through anxiety and all of these things, why don't you just teach me? Um, you know, and to their, like, that's not to put all this blame on partners and blah, blah, blah. Like they're also in the same system that is requiring all of their time. Um, so they don't have the time. Um, and so someone has to step in and and train and develop attorneys. And, and that just is, is something that each attorney deserves. Yeah, I think it's such a great mission. And I was actually talking to my mom about this a couple of days ago, how I I was I was really enjoying my law firm life the first couple of months. <laughs> but I was <laughs> but I really needed some older 
probably woman to to help me out and explain all the things that I didn't know about. Um, mm -hmm. And and we get so much education and courses and programs and everything, but it's just like maybe the next thing I need to learn is not what the the next new act or legislation or change of how to write a contract some other boring legal topic maybe the next thing i need to learn is how to take care of my job and not wake mm -hmm. up with anxiety in the morning before i have to go to work right and it's you know it's like go find this template on the system of how i did this one <laughs> time and figure it out from there um you know and then it's like okay well I don't even know what this is like i don't i don't know how to do this so i'm you know copying this template and doing the best i can and then you know you get your response from the partner and it's probably not very positive and then that sucks and that kills your confidence <laughs> you see all these red lines and um and that's just really hard and and no attorney is walking around being like oh yeah the partner just sent me a ton of red lines you know, all these associates are, are the most are walking around being like, oh, yeah, I knocked this thing out of the park and, you know, which makes you feel terrible. Um, but yet so they still I, sit there until 11 o'clock at night and you wonder, like, what are they doing if they didn't get any red lines on their contracts? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And so this is why the other big pillar of my business is just community and why I'm a big advocate of it. And I think as lawyers, we have to be engaging in communities with each other um, where you can be vulnerable to say like, holy cow, I just got this thing back and it was not good. And I need some help in understanding, um, you know, how I can improve upon this or um, what I'm doing wrong or, or whatever that might be. But um, engaging in those relationships to have somebody else say, oh my gosh, I've totally been there. Here's what helped me. Um, is so crucial and so important and um laura i don't know if you saw the um there was a, a big study that came out recently from harvard and um it was over i'm gonna get this wrong but it was over the span of, of quite a bit of time in measuring like happiness and the you know the thing over and over again both workplace happiness and personal fulfillment that it came down to was just relationships and the depth yeah. of your relationships and so um you know, this is something that we all know, but we just need to be more intentional about if that really is the key. Um, and so not the number of billable hours we're doing, um, you know, not the number of motions we've argued in court. And yes, those are all amazing things, but the most important are the relationships that we're forming. And if all we're doing is lying to each other and billing hours, we're missing it. Yeah. And then on top of that, most of us sit in our own offices the whole day behind a closed door without having any physical contact with another human being before you go home at 11 at night. And it's like, what a great life. I studied so hard to get here. <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, totally. It's like, I have an open door policy, but my door is going to be shut all day. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm not going to go knock on your door. <laughs> No, it, it feels so intruding in a way. Um, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I want to touch a little bit more on this whole feeling of anxiety. 
Um, because I think it's it's very clear that we both experienced it once we sort of graduated law school and came out into the real world and had to show mm-hmm. what we'd learned. Um, but do you remember how you felt during law school? Was was it the same kind of feeling with because the pressure is still high and you have exams all the time and everyone's mm-hmm. competing with each other? Yeah, my the times of my highest anxiety were probably my first year and then studying for the bar exam. Um, and I'll, I'll give some reasons why. So my first year, like I said, you know, I'm a first generation lawyer. I literally knew nothing about law school. Um, and yeah. And so walking into law school, you know, everyone says how hard it is and I was expecting it to be hard, obviously, but, um, you just don't really have an understanding of how different it is from any other style of school. Um, you know, so in the US, they cold call um, and it can be really competitive and so on and so forth. And so for me, um, you know, I chose a law school that uh, cared more about collaboration than it did about competition. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, you know, I could have gone to a much higher ranked law school, um, but I chose to go to the law school that cared about collaboration. Um, and so that definitely helps with my anxiety. But that first year was just, it just felt like a pressure cooker because you're taking all of these like top of the class people from all of these schools and putting them into one classroom <laughs> and then asking them to compete together. And then, you know, they're publishing the rankings of like, you know, where you fall within the class, which I think is horrible. <laughs> they actually um, do that in the US so everyone can see what everyone got from an exam you can't see what everyone else got but you get your ranking yeah so So you you know know who was better than you and worse than you yeah so you're like falling so you're seeing like oh i'm in the top 25 percent, or i'm in the top 50 percent, or whatever um which is like that's just terrible i there's realities to that because that's the way that we measure who gets interviews for what we call on-campus interviews. I don't know if you guys have something similar, but it's like where all the big law firms come in and, and, you know, take their pick of the litter um, for their summer associate classes. Um, And they usually only take the top 10% or the top 25% for interviews, Um, which I also think is such a crappy model um, because some of the best and most successful, yeah. It contributes to the whole race against each other and competition with your peers, right? Right. And so that pressure cooker just causes so much anxiety. Um, and it's hard to really even put it into words because you're just working so much and you're studying so much that it it's almost, it feels almost impossible to like take these moments and be like, have enough self-awareness be like, wow, I am really in a not okay spot and I need to go chill out. Um, Cause you're just running this race to the final um, and, you know, wanting to, we're all competitive. So we all want to be best and first. And um, so, yeah, so there was a lot of anxiety there for me. There was also a lot of financial stress on me, um, which also caused me a lot of anxiety in my first year. And that was another big adjustment. Um, Cause I came from working for a few years before I went to law school. And so going from having a salary to no salary was just really intense and um, a really hard thing. 
Um, and so there was uh, just stress that way too. Um, and then I was also in a new city. I didn't know anybody. So there was um, a lack of community and a lack of deep friendships around me. Um, you know, of course I was gaining an incredible group of friends, but you know, we're all learning each other and it's brand new and I can't sit down and, you know, share this like super vulnerable, like, Hey, I'm having financial issues and I'm really stressed. <laughs> like It's not the first thing you say to a new right. friend, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so there was a lot of that. And then the same thing popped up in the bar exam. There was a lot of financial stress for me. Um, and, you know, I was like running on fumes to the finish line for the bar exam as far as like finances go. Um, and that just, I don't know, that just puts a stress on you that is really hard. And then the bar exam is terrible. It, you know, you're studying every day, you know, for like seven, eight hours a day um, for two months. And it's just way too much. And it's um, so much useless information that I will never, ever, ever use again. Um, and I also found that so silly. It was like, I'm not practicing criminal law. Why do I need to know the elements of false imprisonment? Like, <laughs> this is so silly to me. Um, and yeah, so that was really hard. And then, you know, there's a ton of stress over, you know, waiting around for bar exam results. Um, I don't know about you guys, but we wait like almost three months. How long do you guys wait to get your results? Yeah, so the system is a little bit different in Denmark, and I've I've heard mm -hmm. other attorneys explain about the system in the U.S. And I'm almost happy to be Danish, <laughs> to be honest, even though it's also tough here. But we Fair. have two bar exams: we have a written and um, the mock trial or a, a real trial. Um, so for the for the written one, it's a bit similar to what you guys are going through. I think we we get a lot of material that we need to power through, and then find our way through a lot of exercises in three hours and it's always like there's no way you're going to have time to answer all the questions so you might just mm -hmm. go and die or something um, but then you <laughs> also i think the waiting time was six weeks and the the reply would come over email and i remember when we reached around week five i was like okay it's coming soon and i had this um I think a lot of people have the system on their Outlook uh, on my work computer where the message pops up and it was always um, an email from a sp specific woman with her name and then the the bar, uh, bar, associ blah, bar mm -hmm. association. So every time I saw her name, I would go like, because she was also the one sending um, <laughs> information about the, the cause oh, in general yeah. and everything. But I knew, okay, once I see her name, I can either have like, oh, we're so sorry or congratulations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but right, waiting for right. six weeks for that, that, it's awful because you're like, you already forgot all the material. And then if you need to prepare for the next um, exam, the next quarter, then the, the topics will have changed. So you'll have to start all over. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's stressful. That's <laughs> yeah. Here's when talking about like, mental health and anxiety and all that stuff my one of my bar exam stories is that um it's such a weird experience because you're um you know you're in this giant room you know and you're all like maybe six feet apart in these little desks and you know it's this massive room full of people and it's like every normal human instinct shuts down so like during one of our exams somebody i don't even know what happened to them 
I don't know if they had a panic attack or if it was a real medical emergency or what, but there were paramedics in our room working on somebody and we were all just still typing away and doing our test as quickly as possible. That is like, crazy. And oh in any God. other situation, everyone would put their pencil down and go try to help or figure out what's going on or, or leave like to like give this person some space. Um, and it's just the weirdest thing to be like, I know this thing is going on, but I have one opportunity to get through this test in a certain amount of time. And I have to take every minute possible. And it's, it's the weirdest experience. It's like, in what other situation would that occur? Yeah, it just says it all about the system and how how you freak out. <laughs> like, right, of course, we don't right. know if it was a medical emergency, but I mean, the, the feeling you can sit there, you know, like you see the, the clock changing from like 59 to, <laughs> what do you say, like zero, zero, I don't know what you say in English. <laughs> and you go like... Oh! It's time. Yeah. <laughs> I can start now. <laughs> the clock is ticking. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Exactly. And so, yeah. But, uh, you know, to go back to the law school thing to it, truly what got me through was knowing from the very beginning that I was never going to be number one in my class. Um, you know, I think after the first semester, it was like, cool. I know where I land. Um, I did. Okay. Um, I'm going to be okay. But I'm clearly not going to be number one. Um, and so shifting to know that it was more important to me to pour into relationships and to be intentional about people that I was meeting than it was to spend every minute studying. Um, and that truly is what got me through law school. I developed an incredible group of friends um, and really poured into them. They poured into me. And that is truly what got me through law school was a, a very collaborative, intentional group of people. Oh, that is such a great advice. And I'm just like, everybody, if you hear this, go out, drop the pen, and it's time to have fun and, and be with people because it really does um, wonders for our mental health. Right, um, right. Do you remember if there was some kind of difference between how it felt in the first year of law school and then how it felt for the bar exam prep? Was there a difference in how you handled the situations? Because I guess for the bar exam, you could kind of recognize, oh, no, this thing is coming up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that um, I wish... I would have had was so we buy bar prep courses so you know part of the financial stress on law students is you've spent the last three years hardly working like yeah you might have a summer internship and yeah you might work 10 hours at some firm or whatever during the year but um, you're not working full-time so there's just financial stress there and at the end of three years of barely hanging on you're asked to pay thousands of dollars for this bar prep course um, which I also just hate. And it's like, I hate that these people have this monopoly um, on these like bar prep courses and think that, I don't know, they've clearly created that. And so that's, yeah. Um, and so one of the resources that you get though through these bar prep courses is you get all these commercial outlines. And I wish that that was something I had my 1L year. I think I made my 1L year way more complicated than it ever needed to be. <laughs> Because um, I was trying so hard to like, we learn through case law, which I think is such an inefficient way to learn. Um, and I wish that I just had these commercial outlines to be like, 
oh, this is what you're trying to tell me or teach me. Like this last two weeks could have been boiled down into this one sentence on this commercial outline. Um, and so I think having access to stuff like that, and there's so many resources like that for law students these days, of course you have to cater it to whatever professor you have. Um, but I think simply having those sort of commercial outlines would have helped me tremendously. Cause I truly, Laura, I made my life so complicated my one L year. <laughs> By trying I think we to, all did. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You just, oh, you make it so complicated and it's not complicated. You, it doesn't need to be complicated. Um, and um, so, yeah, so I, I wish when I arrived at the bar and I got these commercial outlines, I was like, oh, <laughs> this, all of this makes sense now. Like, I wish I would have had this my one on year. So I felt like prepping for the bar exam in that aspect was easier. Um, but was what was not easy, obviously, was the amount of information and the amount of stress that was going into preparing for the bar exam, you know, because yeah. it's like it's the whole pinnacle of everything you've been working towards. Um, and there's exactly. also a ton of shame around not passing the bar. Um, and I think that also in itself is ridiculous. Um, it's a super hard exam um, and you have no idea what's going on in people's lives when they're doing that, whether they're, you know, single parents they have financial stress, they have health issues, they, whatever. Um, there should not be shame around that. Um, and there is, and I think it's a really big, um, disappointment on us as a legal profession to put that much pressure and shame on people who didn't pass the bar. Yeah. It's just not fair. Yeah. It's one shot. It's, yeah. it's just one reflection of how that day was. It doesn't say anything about your preparation right. or because and anyone who made it that far to actually go to the bar exam has worked <laughs> their butts off for the past many mm -hmm. years to get to that place. Um, so most of us can actually pass. It's more a question of like, well, could I manage my stress? Could I manage my anxiety? Mm -hmm. Or did something just happen in my private life that today is not a good day? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like there's that shame and embarrassment and all that sort of stuff with with your sort of legal culture as well? Yeah, I think so. And especially because the your employer pays for your courses and your exams. Mm -hmm. um, and at least the the straight A student in me did not like this feeling of um, having my employer pay for courses, pay for exams, and then coming back yeah. saying, I need more courses and I need more fees to pay for my next exam. It's it's just not a nice place to be. Um, yeah. So of course we don't have the financial stress in the same way because the employer takes care of it. But at the same time, you just put even more pressure on yourself to actually get through the first time. Right. I had a dream that I still remember to this day about just how stressed out I was. Um, I had a dream that my employer at the time uh, who was waiting on my bar exam results, um, I had a dream that all the partners were standing behind me as I opened the letter, which would never happen, obviously, but that was my dream. And I was like, wow, I am stressed out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a, a scene from a bad movie. Um, I but, know. <laughs> <laughs> but once yeah. we start dreaming about these things, um, that's a, a really bad sign, or at least a red flag right. that something's going on. And something I'm also curious about is um, how 
how this anxiety manifested in your body like what kind of signals or symptoms did you start to recognize because i think actually a lot of people go around and and they have these symptoms they just don't know that it's anxiety myself included i was like oh i thought it was just normal to always go around and shake quite a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> until i figured yeah. out that it wasn't <laughs> yeah um, yeah, the ways for me that that really manifests in my body is I am also someone that gets a really tight jaw. Um, and which is, if you've ever had it is miserable. Um, cause once it's there, it's so hard to not think about, which of course makes it worse. Um, and so I get a really tight jaw and still to this day when I'm really stressed out or there's like big emotions going on, like it really manifests in my jaw a lot. Um, and then I also, um, like I stopped working out. Um, so all throughout law school, I did not work out, uh, which was awful and terrible. And like that didn't help me at all. And I thought by not working out, I would spend more time in the library and that would help me and blah, blah, blah. And of course it didn't. Um, and so I really changed my health a lot um, post law school when I started practicing um, and realized that that was just a boundary I had to put up. And so that helps me tremendously. Um, but otherwise I also get, um, like really big knots in my back. Um, and so that's another big way that it like manifests for me. And so like my right shoulder in particular is where I hold my stress. And so like, I'll get like actual aches in my right shoulder because it's so intense. Um, yeah, so I would say that. And then um, food was like another one for me, um, where I just wasn't taking care of myself. And so it like, to me, it was like, oh, I'm going to eat this easy thing that isn't healthy for me, but tastes delicious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those were kind of the ways that were like manifesting both like in my body and the decisions that I was making. Um, but man, it's, it's tough. It, it really does. Um, once you start paying attention to it, you can kind of catch those signs of man, something isn't quite right. What are the ways that it like that um, it like manifests for you and your body? Yeah, so I've, I'm someone who's very much in my body now, and I feel mm -hmm. everything. Um, I also did before, but I I didn't know what I was feeling. I couldn't recognize it, and I kind of shut down that mind body connection. And that's why I think it's so important to talk about it, um, because a lot of people go around and they actually don't have a language for these things. They're just like, well, that's mm -hmm. just my body. It's just used to shutting down. I don't know that I'm supposed to move my body or eat healthy food or I can't be bothered. Um, but so for me, I've, as I said, I've always had this thing that I was shaking quite a lot. Um, and I remember even my first legal assistant job when I was uh, like three semesters into law school and in Denmark, that was my undergrad. So I was 19 years old. I got my first legal mm -hmm. assistant job. Um, and I just remember that my sweat started to smell different. <laughs> it's, I know that's a really weird thing, but it was like, it was, it was not like I need to take a shower because I work yeah. out. It was this like mm -hmm. smell of stress. Um, like I think there was a change in my hormones or something like that. And mm. I would go around and always just be like on my tippy toes because everything was boiling inside of me. That's how it felt. Mm. If my phone would ring, I'd be like, oh no, I don't know what to do <laughs> because it's probably yeah. someone who's going to ask me a question that I don't know how to answer. So I had this thing in the first job I had, we still had these regular old school phones on our desks and you could tell if there were any missed calls. And then I would come into the office early in the morning and be like, 
oh no, I have three missed calls and I just take the phone off and put it down so those three missed calls would disappear from the display. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. That's how desperate right. I was to not uh, be on the phone with somebody I didn't know. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. Um, but then, oh gosh, I don't even know where to start because it, like, for me, also all this negative self-talk and critical thinking. Mm -hmm. I was very negative. I I have some friends that I met during my time in law school, and today they're like, "Laura, you completely changed. You 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 used to be." this this and that always like criticizing other people always judging mm. always not having time to be around and doing fun things because you were just so determined to go and do this law thing i wasn't a very nice person to be around mm. and it just tore me apart apart and i tore myself apart and at some point it just collapsed like it was anxiety yeah. attacks and like slight depression all these things where you begin to notice okay we're not going in the right direction and something's got to change. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that um, I did really poorly and I know a lot of other lawyers do really poorly is that when I entered practice, I made being a lawyer, my whole personality. Yep. Um, and which is sucks. Like nobody wants to be around that. Um, and I just thought this is what I had to do to fit in and, this is what I had to do to be a great lawyer. And, um, and I just made it everything. It just kind of consumed my life. Um, and I also kind of had one of those moments where I was like, so my big moment was I had um, my first trial, which is like the pinnacle for litigation lawyer and lawyers don't really go to trial anymore. So it was a big deal. And, um, and I remember sitting at this trial, finishing it. We won incredible for my first trial. I got to do a ton of really cool things. And I just remember walking out of the courtroom and thinking to myself, is this it? Like I kind of <laughs> just hit the pinnacle of what I had been working towards and having this really empty, like, oh, like, yeah, it was cool to win for the client. Yeah, it was fun to do, but was that really it? And I think after that, I really had to like start just becoming a much more interesting person <laughs> and start like filling my life with many other things other than just being a lawyer yeah so is that what helped you sort of transition out of the state to say okay i need other input in my life i need to start working out i need to start thinking about what i'm eating yeah i um i had started working out um my first year of practice um so that really helped put some boundaries in place right away but um i think after that trial it, it really was like what am I doing? And like, I really need to examine how I want being a lawyer to fit into my life and not the other way around. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And then I started, um, uh, I, I kind of started on this like entrepreneurial journey. So it really was like, I, you know, I, I really come alive in these other moments where I'm like serving and um, and pouring into other lawyers. And so, you know, I talk a lot about this issue. So why don't I just stop talking about it and just start doing something about it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and um, yeah. And so then from there, it was really, okay, I just need to start putting some really imperfect action on the table, rather than trying to do it perfectly, because that's what my lawyer brain tells me I have to do. And so 
And that's kind of when I started on this entrepreneurial journey. And I know we connected over that early on was just sort of this imperfect action. And, um, and I will rely on that over and over again, rather than trying to be this perfect lawyer. Yeah, it's so tiring. And it's actually so boring to just be that perfect lawyer, isn't it? Like who it wants is. to be the perfect lawyer? <laughs> it is. And it's not relatable at all. You know, you're doing such a disservice to everyone by trying to be the perfect lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. So if you were to give some advice to young law students, law grads, lawyers, attorney who they want to have that thriving legal career, but they just feel limited by anxiety and these uncomfortable bodily sensations or exhaustion, whatever it might be for their situation, what advice would you give? Um, I would give two pieces. Um, and with any piece of advice, I always tell people to take it with a grain of salt uh, because um, it just has to work for you. So my first piece of advice is that you have to figure out the difference between being professionally fulfilled and personally fulfilled. Um, and you really have to um, find the buckets for both. And so if you can really sort out what are the ways that I love being professionally fulfilled, what are those things? Because um, it's okay to be like, I'm going to be this kick-ass lawyer and I want to be a great litigator. I want to be a great compliance lawyer. I want to be a partner. Like those are all awesome things. Um, and you just have to find ways that are fulfilling um, for you to do that. And then the personal side, recognizing um, again, that you know, being a lawyer can't consume everything. And so what are some personal things that are going to fulfill you? Is it yoga? Is it kickboxing? Is it nights with friends? Is it some random hobby? Is it pickleball? Like, you know, what is it that's going to personally fulfill you? Is it serving? Because um, that's just as important. And that's actually going to make you a way better lawyer. And so finding the different buckets for those things and putting some really intentional pieces in place um, to fill those buckets. The second piece of advice I would have um, is that uh, this is not my quote. Um, it says, um, we are not broken versions of men, we are women. And the point of that is that um, find how to practice in a way that works for you. You don't have to copy and paste the way that this 20 year old, or not 20 year old, but 20 years in male lawyer is practicing. Find how you practice and that's gonna help you do this like professionally fulfilled bucket as well. Um, cause we are not broken versions of men in the system. We are women and the way that we practice is incredibly valued. Um, and so lean into that value. That is so empowering. What a great advice. I I'm going to go with that as well. I'm not yeah. a broken man. I'm a woman. You're not a broken man. You're a woman. Yes, <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm going to do this stuff my own way. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. exactly. So, that's yep. awesome okay we're gonna start to wrap up here but before we do i want to ask you three super quick questions are you ready great ready what is one book you would recommend to law students law grads lawyers and attorneys embarking on their career journey it doesn't have to um, be a law book <laughs> yep um i would encourage everyone to read marketing made simple by donald miller um it's a very short book um, but it is incredibly well written and will help you rethink the ways that you are marketing yourself. And it's just very tangible and it's just a great read. Awesome. And what is your number one tip to deal with a toxic work environment? 
<laughs> leave. Um, no, that's not helpful. Um, <laughs> Everybody says that as the first thing is like, get out. And, they? <laughs> and then it's like, and what if I can't get out? Then what? <laughs> yeah, if you can't get out, um, I'm going to again lead on community. You have to put intentional people in your life, both inside the workplace and outside of the workplace, because um, your coworkers are not your community. Um, so find that community and lean into that community because um, they will speak truth to who you are. Totally. Yeah. And if you could change one thing about the curriculum in law school, what would you change? Oh, man, um, I would change that it needs to be much more practical. Um, we need to stop teaching from, you know, 1800s case law. Um, and we need to start teaching lawyers how to actually practice, be practicing attorneys. Yeah, that's great. I think we need that. I think that's what you're doing. Am I right? Yeah, <laughs> trying to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to share before we finish up here today? Um, yeah, if anybody wants to connect, they're welcome to connect with me. The best place to do that is LinkedIn. You can find me. I'm at Molly Huff, and that's spelled H-O-U-G-H. Um, my little tagline is your guide to becoming a kick-ass lawyer. Um, and I'm happy to be a resource for you um, in any way that I can. So um, please reach out and I'd be happy to connect. That's amazing. I'll make sure to put the links to your social media in the description to this episode. Do you also have a website, actually? I do. Yep. So my website yep. is jurisconsultinstitute.com. Okay. I'll put all the links in the description so people can go and check out what you're doing and maybe sign up for some cool courses. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah. Thank you, Molly, for being a guest on the Hatha Yoga podcast. And to anyone out there listening to our conversation, thank you so much for listening. As I mentioned all the time, this podcast is a totally independent production. So every little bit of support from you truly means so much to me. If you're wondering how you can support the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show or share it with someone you love, either in the real world or out there somewhere in cyberspace. You're also more than welcome to send me a message, tell me about your journey. I would love to hear from you. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Molly. Thank mm -hmm. you.